0: You're listening to the Virtual World Society Nextent Podcast. For this episode, we invited Craig Freilich, VR specialist and consultant, as well as educator for over 28 years in science, design, and technology. To get involved with our organization, head over to virtualworldsociety.org. Once again, we are back. This is Maxwell McGee with the next podcast at the virtual world society. I am very excited to have an absolute expert in the virtual reality world. Craig Freilich. Thank you so much VR specialist and consultant educator for over 28 years in science, design and technology. Craig, it is so wonderful to be talking to you. And thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Maxwell, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk VR.
0: Absolutely. So the virtual reality world brings each individual into it. I notice in a in a wide variety of ways. I never thought I was going to be in VR. The other day, I had a guest on who was in uh, psychology. They were a psychologist before getting into it how did how did your virtual reality journey start?
1: What a great question to start. So my origin, goes way back to a science teacher. Actually, I was teaching high school chemistry for many years. And as a science teacher, one of the things that you try so hard to do is provide these hands-on experiences for your kids. So, you know, labs become the focal point and the excitement of any science teacher. And that really laid the foundation for me as new technologies come along, you start to think, how could I do that better? Is technology sort of a, a new door? And when VR popped up for me in 2016, I just was blown away, like so many people. Once I tried the headset, I was convinced the realism was incredible. The ability to be able to pick things up and move them around, because my experience was a six, to, six degree of freedom experience, made the, the bells and the whistles and the gears were just turning in my mind about not just science education, but education in general. I just thought there is a huge frontier here that we need to start to explore more.
0: Absolutely. I mean, VR education is really incredible and it's mind-blowing, the things that you can experience. I mean, the ability, instead of looking at a picture of a cell, to walk through a cell as if it, were, it had its own hallways, you know, walk through the different parts of the cell. And I'm curious, what was your first experience in VR? You talk about the six degrees of freedom and the things that you that you went through. What was that experience?
1: I was wowed by the lab. So when, I um, can't remember the company's name, it's associated with uh, Valve, put out this free experience on the HTC Vive headsets. You could you could do the crossbow experience or you could go onto something called Vespers Peak. And so I went on to this mountainside called Vespers Peak and you could teleport to different locations, but you also... It was so well done from a, the point of view of UX and UI. They had a little dog there, and you could lean down and pet the little dog, and the dog kind of followed you around. It was so it was so riveting for me to have this companion to see this amazing context, which was you felt like you were on the side of the mountain. And incidentally, I, I'm quite scared of heights, and so. For me, there was a couple spots that you could teleport where you were quite close to the edge. And, you know, it wasn't quite as bad as walking the plank, but I would look and I would get really nervous even just being close to the edge of one of the spots on Vesper's Peak. And so that was my first experience. And it had everything that made me say, oh, my gosh, like as far as what we learned as teachers to be instructional designers – to make learning engaging last longer fun this experience had all those things going on it had a context that made it sort of realistic important in my mind it had manipulatives so the ability for me to touch things to you know pick up things within the environment and it had agency which means i could pick sort of where i was going and what direction i wanted to do so i wasn't siloed into one particular decision making and again from the schooling i took this is this is a beautiful example of how good teaching and learning happens
0: yeah in the classroom like you like you've said engagement is everything cuz we learn a lot through experience, right? Rather than just reading something in a book, which works for some people certainly, but I've noticed that most of the population learns more through actually experiencing things, getting to hold things, interact with it, look at it in a three-dimensional sense. Even just shapes, learning your shapes and three-dimensional shapes, it's a lot better to be able to hold a cube and to turn it around and see all the different directions rather than seeing, a, you know, see it drawn on a board and when you first started exposing virtual reality to uh, to educators and to education and to students what was their reaction like did they take to it right away or were they a little bit hesitant at first
1: this is where having a bit of background playing yourself being in the medium for a you know a few months just to get your own you know not necessarily just vr legs because when you say vr legs You know, often people sort of connotate that to being motion sick. But by VR legs, I mean understanding the medium yourself and being comfortable in it. Because once I was in there, I kind of knew how other people might cognitively progress through it. And most people need, you know, a progressive experience. So you need to put them maybe just in a 360 video experience first. You don't want to overwhelm them or give them maybe what we call cognitive overload. But once they sort of get that, then they realize, okay, now, you know, please ramp me up to an experience where you involve 3D assets and 3D objects where I get to manipulate them, I get to look inside them. So I was careful to try and follow that progression, almost like a kid trying to learn how to ride a bike where, you know, we put training wheels on first, they're comfortable there, we take the training wheels off, and now they have to steer and turn. So that's how I kind of roll it out to teachers often, just so, you know, you know, there's going to be the people that want to drive the Formula One race car right away. But for the most part, I find that's how people start to sort of see the value of the tool.
0: Yeah, I love that you take it slow with individuals and groups that want to get into into vr because that cognitive overload can certainly ruin an experience for somebody when it it is a lot like i've i've attributed before it's like drinking tea for the first time don't give somebody plain green tea you know give them give them something that is you know not overly complicated but put a little bit of sugar in it put a little bit of you know put a little bit of um extra extra flavoring in it but not so much that somebody goes oh this is too complicated you know so having them go slow and steady is a brilliant brilliant way for you to do things and and i'm glad that you've followed that path and uh, allowed others to follow that path because i'm sure you've brought so many people onto onto vr have a lot of individuals students teachers and everything bought headsets and started implementing it in their classes after after getting your guidance
1: yeah i don't have a a hard sample size on that anecdotally most teachers will come back after a pd experience to my room to try and book time to use it with their students you know i don't i don't try and push the tool too much so i don't really have a lot of stories of them personally going out to buy them but i certainly do see lots of teachers once we've sort of got them graduated to the idea that okay here's sort of a great vr experience it's got context so it, you know, the background sort of fits your learning objectives. It's got 3D assets that are going to force learners to be active in the learning environment, whether they have to sort things or whether they have to move things from one spot to the other. Once they sort of wrap their head around that, they, they come back and say, okay, do you have some experiences already off the shelf? Or, you know, can you teach me over the next six months for my professional growth plan, how to build something like that? So for sure they're coming back but uh as far as whether they go out and buy their own i'm not sure about that one
0: that's right well i can say for certainty that i i am sure there's a lot of them that are fascinated by it and and want to get more involved uh in this and when you were a teacher was there a certain point where you decided to transition to vr education doing that as as a consultant
1: my job progressed from science teacher to a design tech teacher and in the world of design technology ultimately all we're doing is bringing kids in for projects getting them to design something that solves a problem so we were already doing a lot of 3D modeling on the 2D computer so that made a natural progression for me to start to get them to use 3D modeling inside VR. You know, some kids in the younger grades would take a, a program. It used to be called Google SketchUp, but now it's it's called SketchUp. And in SketchUp, you can create these great buildings and architectural models. And then at the time they had a great way to integrate that seamlessly into a VR experience where they just hook in the VR headset and they can see right inside SketchUp. Plus, the Minecraft generation really helped kids get comfortable with the headsets right away. So, yes, I was still teaching, but the, the kids, this is the beauty of many, especially K-12 schools, once once you sort of introduce it to the kids, they start to drive the pedagogy behind the tools so they would come after school pretty soon a group of high school boys helped start an after school club for the younger kids and it really percolated after that pretty soon you know the kids are in other classes and they're asking their teacher well you know I could do a poster board on this but you know could I design something in VR instead and so it turned into a VR lab It used to be just my classroom with a bunch of VR headsets, but it got so utilized that I moved out of that space, found a different classroom to teach my classes. And then that became this generic VR lab for uh, one
0: of my first schools I was at. Well, that's an amazing story, especially the curiosity of children. The Minecraft generation, the creators, a lot of them want to be content creators. I notice a lot of there's a whole generation that instead of growing up saying, I want to be in like an ACDC, you know, I want to I want to do this. um, You know, I want to be this next big thing. Now it's I want to be the next big YouTuber, you know, so this generations have, have changed to I want to be the next big, you know, tech vlogger i want to i want to be involved with technology and you talk about pedagogy especially this method of teaching and learning in the classroom in my master's program i got my master's degree in, in education especially uh, more specifically concentrated in vr education and w- that, that was one big thing i learned was that some schools don't necessarily have the methodology to implement vr yet it seems like some schools are not ready as somebody who has developed this vr lab as somebody who has so much experience introducing those in education to virtual reality do people in education have to be more than just open-minded to introduce vr into the classroom it's
1: it's a bit of a paradigm shift because we've been taught for so many years that the classroom is where education occurs you know and and we would get excited every once in a while if the school let us take kids on field trips but for the most part someone that's in the field of education sees this very limited non contextual space with a bunch of desks in rows as where we teach things and vr flips that on its head if you use vr for, you know, for its true superpowers, you are taking kids into an environment, as I've talked about before, that's somewhere on the moon or somewhere by the ancient pyramids where the kids can see the learning outcomes in the environment that they were intended to be taught. And that, that's where VR really shines is get the context right. And then let's add a layer to that where the kids are, you know, actively using their hands to do things and solve problems and then maybe be up to building stuff like we've been talking about before. So I think that's the biggest stickling point for many educators when they were in their either masters of education or even just doing their B.Ed. or a college degree. They're taught that Education happens in the classroom, and truly it shouldn't. We're just bound by those physical constraints, and VR, we don't have to do that. So when I coach people on designing and doing world building in VR, that starts to click for them because they're like, well, how how do I build a VR world? That's the easy part. It's flipping your pedagogy to understand that what are your learning outcomes, what VR world can we take the learners to so that that makes more sense? You know, it could be a hospital if you're teaching nurses or doctors. It could be, uh, you know, the ocean front if you're doing something on uh, a marine topic. And then, how can I layer in the 3D assets so it's more engaging?
0: Yeah, the that engagement in the classroom and those experiences are things that. I'm sure the students remember, you know, that memory seems to be really, really big with virtual reality and retention of information is a very important factor when learning in the classroom is that one of the things that that you usually will share with educational institutions or educators is that this is also about retention students students want to remember traveling the great pyramids they want to remember being on an ocean front absolutely and cognitive science and how the brain
1: actually does work to allow us either to retrieve the information once it's in there or to formulate new information. We're learning a lot more about that in this last decade. And it's clear, like the research studies talk a lot about what you just mentioned. And that is for uh, something that maybe we already learned a while ago, how do we get it out of one part of our brain and into another? We, We need to activate it. And to activate it, it's triggered by possibly, like you said, a memory or something that uh, you know makes sense from the real world, and that's why again context is so key. And then the second piece, again, to sound like a broken record, I- I'm sorry, but cognitive science talks about the fact that you know if we just sit there passively listening to something, we might you know retain ten to fifteen percent of it, but if we're somehow interacting with it, then our retention and then getting it stored in our long-term memory, there's a higher possibility or probability that that's going to happen. And so the old model of, you know, sage on the stage, PowerPoints or Google Slides, take notes, you know, that is something that is very counter to what we know about memory cognitive science and then best practices for instructional design.
0: Absolutely. Well, I love when you talk about the cognitive science, the 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 part of it that really shows us that retention of information and our knowledge about retention of information has been in some ways misunderstood for many different generations because of the way things are you read a book you take a test that's how you show your knowledge of something and in some cases that is obviously very important in law as an as an example you know actually experiencing a court case is great but having memorization of those particular laws uh in medical science as well it's important to ha- have familiarity with description of diseases it is important in some context for sure but it's not everything and do you think that every school can benefit from some type of vr lab like the one that you started without
1: question and Even just starting small, another area that is becoming really important in society and especially in schools is social-emotional learning. So getting kids to be more resilient, teaching kids strategies of being mindful. And VR has already off-the-shelf applications that teachers who are super busy and maybe don't have the time or bandwidth to develop their own, can access things like uh, there's nature treks, for example, is one that we use a lot in the schools. And kids come in, we can differentiate it. So some maybe wanna try some sort of mindfulness app on their phone. Some kids might join a yoga session and some kids might come to the VR lab and they put on a headset and they find a calming, soothing environment That's part of the application called Nature Treks. You know, we coach them on, you know, how to calm their body. So not just curricular content, but some of these 21st century skills, like uh, greater mindfulness, effective communication skills. I talk about this a lot on my podcast, as well as preach the praises of an application called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. What a fun way to get kids to learn more about how to work as a team, effective communication skills. And so we use this app in the VR headset and the kids just love it. And it goes back to as you said, you can you can you can't really teach someone something because they're the receiver. If the receiver isn't willing to listen and absorb and learn it, then there's no point in even embarking on any teaching. So we we need to put engagement at the
0: forefront of our teaching. Absolutely, I I couldn't agree more that engagement is so important. I, myself as a teacher, I I realized, you know, being a professor throughout the years that lecturing was just something that wasn't for me. I I kind of wanted to talk to, not kind of wanted, I really wanted to just talk to my students and have conversations and do activities with them because it was fun for me as well. And it helped me learn more about them and it helped me learn um, about their learning patterns and how they absorb and retain information. and it was just so much more helpful in the classroom um, when integrating more of that more of that engagement and more of that experience based learning. And with this this VR lab, which it's incredible. I'm always so impressed when i when I hear somebody creating or developing a VR lab because it it's it's such a in some cases, for some schools, it is it is an uphill battle um, with a number of institutions because virtual reality, ultimately on the realistic side, costs money in in some sort of way. And what is something that you usually say, especially to institutions that are afraid of that? They're they're afraid of the um the cost versus the actual return um they're afraid of spending money because a lot of educational institutions are fearful about spending any money especially on something that's relatively new um, is there anything in particular that you say to those institutions that are a little bit more resistant cuz they're they're being a little bit too careful with money
1: get headsets on kids get headsets on teachers i i rarely hear of Anyone who puts on a 6 off headset say that they didn't find that to be awe-inspiring, incredible, interesting, powerful are some of the words that some of the kids will say to me. And it doesn't have to be big. Like So I, I just changed schools this year. I'm the technology integration specialist at this new school. We have a library. I cordoned off. A little section within the library. I have eight chairs set up and I went and purchased some Oculus Quest twos or Meta Quest twos and they're sitting on the chairs. Just today we had our first day of school and I brought in eight kids. I got them into nature treks. They were just, they were blown away. And so then I went, that was 20 minutes off. I took them back to their classroom. I grabbed another eight kids. By the end of the day, I had. 50 kids inside nature treks and every single one of them walked away with a smile on their face. And it, what did that cost me? What eight chairs and some Oculus or meta quest twos and the app for nature treks, which is something like $10. So it doesn't have to, doesn't have to be fancy. And as soon as you get started, like those kids are going to go home tonight and they're going to tell their parents and the word gets out. And pretty soon you've got parents who are excited about, you know, the VR lab, if you use it for strong educational purposes, you can sort of debunk the myth that many parents worry about. And that's, I don't want my kids playing games at school all the time. So you want to steer away from, you know, gaming applications. You want to ensure that um, you're marketing it right, but it's going to grow. Every school I've set up some sort of VR lab, it's grown like wildfire.
0: Well, that is very inspiring, telling that story, because it certainly gives hope for educators like myself to implementing more VR in their their programs. And that's incredible. And it's a wonderful strategy that you have implemented in order to uh, convince this institution uh, to kind of implement more virtual reality. And I'm curious, with the creation of the oculus quest 2 which has now become one of the more common headsets because it's very inexpensive and it can do so much i i mean it's incredible what the quest 2 can do for only a couple hundred dollars is there anything as an educator that in particular that really excites you about vr technology that's starting to come out or is going to come out in the next five to ten years
1: yeah already i'm seeing applications by companies like Prisms. So Prisms, uh, Anna Rupa is an amazing uh, leader of that company and CEO. She's designing math experiences that start with the right pedagogy. So these math experiences, they start out with uh, the kids are posed with a problem. Like one of their experiences is called pandemic. So the kids actually, their first scene that they jump in sets the stage for sort of the problem that they have to solve, which is ultimately, you know, can this city's hospital, or at what point will this city's hospital be overrun by beds? And it's the the math behind it is it's teaching them linear algebra, but, you know, they look at and they visualize sort of how the growth of the virus within the city from above, you know, and they have to do some, some calculations within VR Uh, It's the right way to set up educational experiences because it follows the proper instructional design and pedagogy. It's got a problem that the kids have to solve, so they're motivated to solve it. It's real world. It's something that they're going to see in the news you know, it's scaffolded enough that it's not too difficult, and therefore they're not, you know, gonna put the headset down, but it's difficult enough that they feel challenged, you know, and pushed for their cognitive abilities. And so I, I I'm seeing more and more through LinkedIn and the podcast that I listen to of people that are building these problem-based experiences that are connected to the correct pedagogy and to uh good vr and i i'm sure it's just gonna grow with uh, examples like that for other people to say oh that's what's gonna sell for headsets and oh that's exceptional content okay i get it i can build
0: that it excites me so much when you talk about these different experiences and these different educational experiences especially considering i wish more than anything craig that i could go back in time and that i could experience these things for myself as a student i still can and i always will be a student but i wish more than anything i could have a math class based off of the pandemic in the hospital bed situation because it's a situation that would make me Care so much about this particular math problem, rather than it just seeing numbers on a whiteboard. It turns into, "Hey, here is here is practical knowledge. Here is practical application." And I think that that is that is really incredible. And, and oh, sorry, oh, sorry, go ahead. But
1: and then kids walk away with that experience, ruminating on more math and real world stuff. Like you know, we often see the poster, you know what is math good for why do i need to know math and we're getting so much better thanks to you know these types of technologies where those concepts were actually if not impossible really difficult to teach within the walls of a classroom that have organized desks but thanks to the power of virtual reality we can bring these types of learning experiences two kids so that they can get way more curious and excited about learning. There was a social studies teacher one time who came out of a VR experience and he sort of reminisced about, he knew a lot about the the history of the world and he said, it reminds me a lot of when fire was first invented because what fire did, believe it or not, not only were they able to, to hunt and cook meat now, which grew their brains, but it also Unlocked the brain's ability to be more curious because they could look around at night. And so, this history teacher said, VR is like fire was for the cave people way back when. And I kind of giggled about that and I would agree. And I shook my head about that analogy.
0: That is an incredible analogy. VR is like the discovery of fire, it allows us to be so much more curious. Mm. I really, really love that. And I want to say I definitely appreciate you sharing that with me. And I appreciate you coming on this podcast and sharing all things VR and education. You truly are an inspiration in the VR industry. And the industry needs more people like you, educators, who see this potential and are passionately curious. So thank you for being you and thank you for being passionately curious.
1: Maxwell, it is so great to be on your show. I listen to it faithfully all the time. And I want to put a plug in again, you know, thanks to the Virtual World Society who is pushing this cause. I know I've talked to several volunteers for the Virtual World Society and, you know, they're trying to push out headsets. To people who maybe are marginalized and just don't have the funds in some schools and they're, you know, they're singing the praises like for your podcast.
0: So it's so great to have a wonderful organization like that. Thank you so much for saying that. The virtual Here at the Virtual World Society, we are grateful for you, and we are grateful for your work. And we get to continue our work because of educators like you who, who push these boundaries and who just create amazing, amazing work. So thank you, and thank you for your podcast, which I also listen to. Also, because I love your voice. You have such a soothing voice. So that's also a really big plus, <laughs> um, which is great. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you. So once again, it is Maxwell McGee with the in Podcast. We will see you same time, same place next week. If you want to support our work, you can join free at virtualworldsociety.org to receive regular newsletters and updates, donate to help fund our projects and work, and register to volunteer and get in on the action.